1984 was a really significant year. It was the name of a, a novel, probably the most influential sci-fi novel in history. But it was also the year, if you remember, you might not, you might not be old enough, that Purple Rain and Do They Know It's Christmas was in, were in the charts. Yeah, it was also the year that Footloose and uh, Ghostbusters were in the cinema. It was also the year that Tetris was invented. The original is the best. And, uh, and, and also the year that HIV was discovered. Significant year. It was, a, it was a significant year if you're a miner, coal miner particularly, because they went on a, on a year's strike and it began in 1984. Now, it might not have made the headlines, but 1984 was also the most significant year in my life. It, it was a lunchtime Christian Union meeting in my first year at secondary school in a lecture theatre. And a sixth former had preached the gospel and, and encouraged anyone who wanted to respond to go forward, to repent of their sin, to put their faith in Jesus' resurrection and to receive his eternal life. And I went forward and he prayed for me. And God met with me powerfully. So much so that I've described the experience of going out of that lecture theatre back to afternoon registration like walking on the moon. I felt weightless. I bounded, it felt, across the room. The older I get and the more I understand, the more significant I realise that day was in my life. It's come over time, isn't it, sometimes? Well, we're in our second week of our new series, looking at the first three chapters of Ephesians, and uh, it's called The Transformed Life, as Dale explained a bit earlier, and uh, we're going to start uh, looking at the words of Ephesians chapter 1, just the first two verses. Now, if you, were, uh, if you had one of these devotional booklets and you started it this week, um, the memory this verse for, for this last week was Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 2. So, before it comes up behind me, if any of you have tried to memorize it, let's give it a go. And if you haven't, that's okay. Um, and if you haven't picked up one of these yet, that's okay. You can start this week. We've got some at the back. So, let's see. Who, who reckon they, they can remember it? A few hands? Oh, you, oh, some of you tried, didn't you? But you're not quite confident. Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. And I might get it wrong, might not I? I've got it in front of me, but I won't look, honestly. I'll look up here. How's it go? Okay. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well done. There's loads of you mouthing along to that. That's brilliant. Well, did we get it right, Julia? Let's have a little look. Yes, well, there was a first phrase that we weren't encouraged to memorize, which was this one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then I think we got it right. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 1 to 2. Let me just pray. Father, this one sentence is in the Bible for a reason. Lord, forgive us if it just looks like a bit of letter admin to skip over. But Lord, I pray that even this morning, you would, you would blow us away with fresh revelation and with a deeper understanding of your truths, even from this one sentence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Well, if you were here last week, or if you have started the devotional booklet, you may appreciate that there are three themes that run through this material that will, will get unpacked over the coming weeks. Those, we, those themes are identity, 
belonging, and purpose. And they each coincide with, with three questions that we tend to ask ourselves. Not just us believers, but, but anybody in the world really probably asks themselves these questions from time to time. Who am I? Where do I fit? And what am I living for? Well, thankfully, the Bible and Ephesians 1 to 3 inclusive has a lot to say on these topics uh, for those of us who are in Christ. And Paul, who's writing this letter, is so excited about the transformed life in Jesus that, that, that these themes begin to leak out of him even as he writes who this letter's from and who it's for. In those intro verses, he's leaking with these truths. And we're just going to uh, kind of look at that, get a taste of what's to come as we unpack the book of Ephesians over the coming weeks. And I believe that whether you're approaching faith, whether you're new to faith, whether you've been in faith for many decades, there's something fresh here for you over these coming weeks. As we look again at the letter to the church in Ephesus all those centuries ago, God's going to open your mind, give you fresh insight about him and about who we are in him when we come to him by faith. So let's start with the theme number one, identity. Who are you? How would you answer that question? We, are, we often actually ask people, what do you do, don't we? We don't often ask people, who are you? Uh, maybe just in expectation of their name anyway. Well, I think Paul would say, well, I am who God says I am. A number of you were singing that earlier, interestingly. Well, I know about me. I know at times in my past and in my present, I've placed my sense of identity in some wrong places even as a Christian. Now, I wasn't always so nattily dressed. I wasn't always... <laughs> you weren't meant to erupt quite so quickly into that one. Um, in my early teens, uh, I was a casual. Anyone remember the casuals? No, it didn't really catch on, did it? But um, uh, it would explain, if you look back in the family album, why I wore a Pierre Cardin pink cardigan. And if, if I could afford them, I might have had one pair, a pair of Farrah trousers with, with an Adidas, it was called Adidas then, not Adidas, or whatever you call it now, a cagoule over the top and some desert boots. Now I realised this morning, I've got some desert boots on still. They're not the same ones, so maybe it's still lingering. But I, I later into my teens, I transitioned into a rocker really reflecting my, my changing music tastes. And, of course, my dress sense went with it. It had to, you know, that's what happens, yeah? And so I had hair. I had long hair down beyond my shoulders, locks flowing in the wind. And, uh, and I, had, uh, I had ripped jeans and I had a leather jacket, wait for it, with tassels on it all down the arm <laughs> and, uh, and along the... And I had a big, a big single hoopy earring uh, you would have recognised me. <laughs> and, and, because the footwear is always important, isn't it? I had these, I had these cowboy boots that jingled when you walked. Because <laughs> I was trying to, who am I? I was trying on, on this journey. Well, there are many things, aren't there? Not just our music taste. That we, we draw our sense of identity on. It could be on what we own, our possessions. It could be on what we do, if you like, our job. It could be what we've achieved, what, what we uh, have um, uh, achieved in life. It could be what people have said about us. It could be positive things. It could be negative things. 
Well, I know my sense of identity gets shaken at times. Uh, again, while, when I was much younger, I, I, I remember my sense of identity shaking somewhat when I failed my driving test. I, I hadn't failed anything up to that point. I hadn't done particularly well either. Let, let's just get that right. But <laughs> I'd scrape through the 11 plus. I'd scrape through some piano exams, 101. We had to get 100 to pass. Uh, and I scraped through some GCSEs. Uh, and then I felt, I, and it shook my sense of identity. Well, I did pass the second time, so there we are. Um, I remember going into my first job after graduating from university, and uh, after a number of years, the graduate intake the year behind me, some of them were promoted before me. That, that shook my identity. That was a challenge. And of course, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to you to say, as, as we as elders go through this transition that we've been sharing about, again, God, God's used it to, where's, Tim, where's your identity? Is it in your role? Is it in your position? No, no, come on. And it's good when God tests these things. Because if we're in Christ, we have been transformed. And we are brand new. And now, in Christ, our sense of identity doesn't come from within us. What we've done, what we've achieved, what we've got. No, it comes from God and what he has done and what he says and notice in verse 1 how Paul refers to his readers. He says, to the saints in Ephesus. Now, this word saint, we don't always understand that nowadays. Uh, many of us associate it with a select group of highly spiritual people, a status reserved really for a few dead people when people have gone through the archives and worked out. They lived a pretty amazing life up there, extraordinary. And perhaps they've performed one or two miracles. Now they can be qualifying as a saint. That is not how Paul uses the word. That's not how the Bible uses the word saint. When Paul is writing his letter, he's writing to all the believers in the Ephesus church. So all, every single Christian is a saint. Why? Because it's not based on what they've done, but it's based on the new person they are, the new identity they have increase in Christ because when we're placed in Christ at that very moment of our conversion whether we know exactly what it was or not we became holy because Jesus is holy wow that's jaw-dropping isn't it so if you are a Christian here today you are a saint Saint Sarah Saint Malcolm Saint Joe St. Martin, no matter how good or bad you think you are, no matter what you watched on TV last night or what you've done this morning, you are a saint if you're in Christ. And you will remain a saint. I've been a saint since 1984. Tell yourself that in the mirror sometimes. The implications of this are huge, absolutely enormous, because our identity now is no longer based on what we've done, but on what has happened to us when we came to Christ. It happened to us by God's grace. We became brand spanking new. We were a sinner, but now we're a saint, consecrated, set apart for God. And so often, even as believers, we get this the wrong way around. We think, oh, if I could just be a little bit gooder, if I could not be angry quite so often, if I could stop kicking the cat, then perhaps I would just attain to the bottom rung of sainthood. But that's not how it works. The Bible tells us. No, no, no. 
No, if you're in Christ, you are a saint. Right, so go and live like one. The booklet I thought was really helpful this week, and you can read it next week as a kind of follow-up to this if you want. It's all on this theme, and it helpfully reminded us as Christians, look, don't refer to yourself, if you're in Christ, as a sinner saved by grace. I kind of, yeah, that's true, but the sinner bit refers to your old life. You were a sinner, now you're a saint. Refer to yourself as a saint saved by grace. Paul was so aware of this, the transformation that had taken place in his own life, that he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ, in verse 1. I mean, that can sound arrogant, boastful perhaps, until you realize, no, he's simply celebrating the transforming grace of God in his life. Because he was Saul, the persecutor of the church, the hater of the church. But he's been transformed. And he's now not basing his identity on his old behavior. He's basing it on who he is now in Christ, this new identity. And some of us as believers, we're born again, we understand that. And we're spirit-filled, some of us, we understand that. But we still yet to fully grab hold of our identity in Christ. And there's 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 a job for us, if you like, to do that. For some of us, it may be because negative things were spoken over you. Maybe now, maybe when you were younger, maybe when you were in your formative years, maybe by parents, maybe by carers, maybe by teachers, maybe by so-called friends. The labels that were put on you as a failure, as a reject, as a loner, as useless, as ugly, may have stuck. And you feel those things, and they've affected you, but they are lies of the enemy if you're in Christ. And when you come to Christ by faith, he gives you, God gives you all these new labels. And we read them out. Dale read them out. We're going to look at them as we unpack Ephesians chapter 1. Don't rush Ephesians chapter 1. Every phrase is loaded with these labels that apply to you if you're in Christ. You're a saint. You're chosen. You're forgiven. You're adopted. You're a child of the king. You're a new creation. Amen? It's who we are. It's who we are in Christ. So during this series, I'd encourage you, let the word of God define who you are. Choose to build your life on what God says about you. Now, getting this truth into our heads and our hearts takes some effort. It's not like that. It's, tr- it's like that in terms of it's happened, it's true, but it's got to get in. It's got to penetrate into the deep recesses. It's got to overwhelm our minds so that all other thoughts are pushed out. And it takes some time to permeate like that. So, so, so apply yourself. That's why I think the devotionals got these memory verses once a week. It's not just so we can tick it off like, oh, no, I like it clever. It's so we've got them and they're ready. It's not often in our quiet time that these thoughts of negativity come to us. It, 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 it's in the day, in the cut and thrust, when people say something nasty about you. When, when in an absent mind, these, these thoughts come back from, from some history of yours. That's when we need them. The hand. That's why we memorize them. So we've got these labels ready and we can refute the lies with the truth. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but day 50 in here is fantastic. So keep going. Keep, I mean, I, I will allow you to flick through to the summary day 50 because it's got a list of truths about who we are in Christ. And I tell you, don't leave them in that book. Put them in your phone. Photograph it. Do whatever you do. Because when you're in a queue, when, 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 you, when you're waiting at the doctors, when, when you're on the toilet, when you're having your breakfast, and just get them out. Read them and remind yourself of who you are in Christ. That's number one. Okay. Number two is belonging. Where do you fit? Where do you fit? 
How would you answer that? Paul would say, well, I fit in God's family. I think for everybody around the world, a, a sense of belonging is really it's fundamental, isn't it? It's, it's a human need to feel like we belong somewhere. Well, I've got fantastic news for you. If you're in Christ, you have joined automatically, without signing up, <laughs> without having to apply, without having to sit a test, you have joined the best people to belong to on earth. God's family. God's family. And that's good news for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because God now is our father. Paul says as much as he, he describes God in this first verse as our father. See, when you were placed in Christ, it wasn't just a cold, calculated, kind of administrative act of God. No, it was a choice of a loving father. I want Mary. I want Reg. I want you as my child. I've chosen you. We've been celebrating that already this morning in our worship. It's absolutely wonderful. And because of this, we now have access to God as a father. That wasn't the case before. And now we can come to God anytime, any day, and anywhere. It says as much as we read on, we'll see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 over the coming weeks. But it says this, for through him, talking about Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You know, God isn't a distant CEO living in, uh, you know, in some kind of isolation. No, he's, he's, he's our heavenly Father with his open door policy, even in unsociable hours. No, even with open arm policy to those who are his children. And that's not always been the case. Before Jesus, only the Jews had access to God. And then only the high priest could go into the place where God's presence dwelt in the temple. And only then, once a year, and just in case, with a rope tied to his ankle. But, but now, access has been given for all of those who come to him through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Secondly, the implication of this is we have a huge family. Millions of brothers and sisters around the world. And, and Paul implies this. When he, when, he, when he reminds us that God is our father, he's, he's reminding us he's not just my father, but he's someone else. He's your father. He's our father. Oh, the other people, as well as me, who, who relate to God as father. Oh, yeah. Hi. Great. Wonderful. Wow. We're brothers. We're sisters. We're, I've, been, I've, been, I've been part of this big thing, this wonderful international family of God. It's always wonderful, isn't it, to meet up uh, with a Christian who you didn't know before, was a stranger a minute ago, and, uh, and you just find this connection, don't you? There's some, some family bond that is there as soon as you just go, oh, you as well, oh, wonderful. I find that. There was a guy that came to my front door. He was delivering our shopping, supermarket delivery driver. I gave him a tract because I, I try to. Or I'm not very good, but I got a pile of them there. And I gave one to him. I said, like, oh, I want you to read this. It tells you about God's love. And he said, oh, I, I'm a Christian. I, I go to Crawley Community Church. And in some ways you go, phew. And no, no, so, no, but now you go, great. Because all of a sudden there's this little bond, this little connection. It's real. It means something. It's not just another human and there's a connection there. He's, 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 he's part of the family. He's a brother. No longer is he Luke in the lemon van. 
No, he's Luke, the brother. We don't go to a car, no, but Caroline just wanted to point that out. <laughs> don't know why. Oh, dear. Paul put it like this in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It will come as we go on. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, which, do, which doesn't mean I have to shout. It just means it's got, it's got more, more descriptive words in there to help us understand it. It says this, Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated, set apart from himself, and you belong to God's own household. Hallelujah. You see, if you're in Christ, you're no longer an outsider. You're a citizen with God's own people. And why citizen? I think Paul's just trying to underline the fact we didn't get into this family, as I said before, by passing a test or trying really hard. It's our birthright. Not from our physical birth, but our, our spiritual rebirth. When we were born again, when we came to Christ, we can now say we're part of God's family as Jesus is on that same basis. Now, uh, believe it or not, I was born in 1971. God, I know. <laughs> I don't look that old, do I? Uh, and on, uh, I've got my birth certificate here. Um, and uh, and you know, I, I don't know if it's on this bit. It must be the bit that's on the register. Um, it would say my, my parents' name. So um, Andrew Ernest Mayton, uh, Jean Francis Mayton, my parents. Well, well, 12 years after this, God came along and he wrote his name on it. God is now my father. I've got a new birth certificate. It's been rewritten. Hallelujah. And on the basis of that, I've now got one of these, a new passport. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm part of God's own household, his family. It's just so glorious, isn't it? It has so many implications for us. I mean, the truth is you, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. If you never come to church again, it will alter not one bit your eternal destiny if you're a believer in Jesus. And you could even become a Christian on your own, I believe, to some extent, who's strong and mature in their understanding of their personal identity in Christ, the stuff we've looked at already. Possibly. I don't see why not. But you see, God wants you to understand not only your personal identity in Christ, but your corporate identity in Christ. You know, coming to church shouldn't be a, a very regular decision. Do I come? Do I not come? I've got these other priorities, other things going on. Do I, don't I? You know, week on week. If that's your, your dynamic, okay, but, but I think you're approaching it from the wrong direction. Because I think where we get to when we've got this sense of belonging from God is, you know, it's going to still be some decisions to be made along, along the way because there are sometimes conflicts and other priorities. But, but are, 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 am I, do I go to church? It's based on your understanding of where you belong. I belong. I'm part of a people. I'm part of a family. So during this series, I'd really encourage you to make the most of being part of a local family. So yeah, come along every week if you can. Uh, because when we come here, what we're we doing? We're, we're coming to our Father. We're coming to meet with our Father, our Father. It's collective. It's, it's, it's corporate. It's 
It's, it's communal. It's plural. And we're coming because we expect our Father to give good things to us, his children. And we've tasted some of that already. There may be some more to come. Secondly, I'll say, be part of a life group. Not because you have to, but because that's where it feels like family. It feels like family here, to be honest. We have a cup of tea, we have a picnic, you know, it's good stuff. But, but it's when you're doing life together with brothers and sisters. Ah, oh, wow, this is different. This is something else. And if you're not in one, uh, do speak to me, Quincy, and we can hook you in where we can. Um, the last theme is purpose. I'll be quickest on this one. What are you living for? Paul would say, I think, I'm living for God's plan for my life. To make the most of life, we need to know what we're living for. There's a mildly amusing story about Albert Einstein. He was um, going on a train to, to speak, to lecture at some, some venue, and the train conductor came along, as they do, to, to punch the ticket, and uh, he couldn't find his ticket anyway. He was looking all over him in his pockets, in his bag, can't find a ticket. And, and the conductor said, well, I know you are. You're Dr. Einstein. It's okay. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Just carry on on your journey. And uh, the conductor carried on up the carriage. And when he got to the end of the carriage, he turned around. Uh, and, and Albert Einstein was still hunting around on the floor trying to find his ticket. And he, went, he just tried to go over to him to reassure him, don't worry. And Albert Einstein said, well, well I, I know who I am as well. But, but I don't know where I'm going. Anyway, it was quite funny when I read it. It's probably the way you tell him. Um, and... <laughs> You see, God wants us, yes, he wants us to know who we are, and he wants us to know where we belong, but he wants you to know where you're going, what you're living for. He wants you to have a sense of purpose in your life. I think not only has the lockdowns possibly robbed us of a sense of belonging at times, it's also robbed us, possibly, some of us still, where's the, what am I living for? What am I doing? Where do I fit in this world? What does God want of me? And Paul, notice in verse 1, he refers to himself, as I said before, as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Then he goes on, how? By the will of God. See, Paul discovered his purpose in life by the will of God. It was only when he was placed in Christ that he found out what he was on earth for, what he was made for. Because our God, the creator of the universe, has a massive master plan for the whole cosmos. You do appreciate that, don't you? And he wants to connect his children into that plan. And, and, he, and he's, he wants you to, to play your unique part in his plan. And he wants a sense of purpose, his sense of purpose, to, to affect everything you do. Yeah, the big things of life, but also the more mundane, ordinary things of life, like your relationships, like your job on a Monday morning, like, like your chores. Jobs need doing, and, and home life, and responsibilities that you carry. He wants all of that, too, to carry a sense of purpose. Now, I opened a cupboard the other day, and there was a perfectly formed barrel made out of wood uh, on a shelf, but it fell out on the floor, like that, and it was no longer a barrel. And uh, <laughs> Uh, I left it there for a few days, actually, because I just didn't have the patience to put it back together again. <laughs> and then I, then I found it a few days later, it neatly in a bag, 
left where I'd left the pieces. I, I wondered if there was a message for that. But anyway, I, I, felt, I felt God give this idea. I felt God give me a message about these. These pieces, I mean, they're all different. And they, they all look a bit odd. Is that not us? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's certainly you, Tim, you might be saying. Um, well, God would say, yeah, I've, I've made you unique. Nobody's like you. But I've made you fit. I've made you fit into my plans. And God's got the patience, as well as the instructions, uh, of how that all fits together. You know, God wants you to know that you were made on purpose and you were made for purpose. Repeat after me. I was made on purpose. And I was made for purpose. Amen and amen. And we'll look at that. We've got other verses in Ephesians chapter 2, which will remind us of these things. Um, you know, God has chosen you to fit into his plans, to do his works, to partner with him, with what he's doing. And you may think, how do I discover that? How do I know? Well, Jesus gave us a great example. In John chapter 5, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. That's so helpful. I know it's also so frustrating at times as well, but it is so helpful because it's the same for us once we're in Christ. We have that same father-child relationship with God as Jesus had when he walked on the earth. And God speaks and God guides and God's going to tell you and show you where you fit in his plans. You know, hearing from God is something, if you're in Christ, you can do. You can hear from God. It's innate. It's there. And God wants to speak to you and wants you to hear. And it's wonderful, isn't it, when you get those aha moments of hearing from God. Look, let me just share you one little secret about hearing from God. The more I regularly get before him, read a simple bit of scripture, and prayfully apply it to my life, the more God speaks to me. Not yet God speaks through the prophetic. We've been really blessed from recent prophetic words, but, but, but it's this, this heart. I, I go to Scripture, I read the next bit that my little program tells me I should read, and I reread it, and I pray about it, and, and I think about it, and I meditate. I even now I'm better at jotting a few things down on your phone, on, on a piece of paper. You've got these booklets. Go through. Don't rush. Let's reread that little passage in Ephesians again. Let's, let's just jot some things down. Two great questions to ask in those moments, God, what are you saying to me? And secondly, God, what do you want me to do about it? Great two questions when you're engaging with God in this way. And they're great questions because we've given them to our life group leaders, or we will be, over this term. Uh, so when you're reporting back on, on how you're getting on with the material and these sermons and the, and the devotional, you, you, you can share. What's God saying to me? And what does he want me to do about it? And you can support one another in it. Wonderful. There we are. Identity, belonging, and purpose in Christ. I'm going to encourage us just to stand, if you're able to, at this moment. And we'll just pray and then see what else the Holy Spirit wants to do. Firstly, I want to pray for all those who uh, are followers of Jesus. I encourage you just to close your eyes in this moment and 
Open up your hands if that's helpful, just to say, Lord, here I am. I'm open to you. It's a way of expressing an open heart, really. Do whatever you need to do to express that. Oh, Holy Spirit. We're so, so grateful for all of these things, for all the things you've highlighted to us already this morning, through the worship and the contributions. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that in you, I am a child of God. I'm a saint. I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that that's true of me. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that I can relate to you as a dad, the heavenly Father. Hear your voice. Thank you, Father, you've placed me in this wonderful family, the family of God. It's where I belong. It's where I fit. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for all that that means to me. And thank you. Thank you that you've got a place for me. You've got a purpose for me. You've got plans. You've gone ahead of me. You've prepared the way for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just maybe with our eyes shut a little bit longer. If you haven't got that kind of relationship with God yet, then you can be transformed and made brand new right now. If you know these things I've been talking about, don't, don't apply to you. Maybe you thought you were a Christian. Maybe you used that label for yourself, but maybe you're now realizing, perhaps, I never really fully understood. There's a moment right now for you. You can leave this school dance studio, which I think is what it is, like I left that school lecture theatre 38 years ago. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to step into this, you can pray this alongside me in your heart. I'm going to pray a repentance for sin, turning away from sin. I'm going to pray faith in the risen Jesus. I'm going to pray a receipt, a receiving of God's forgiveness and new life. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, you will be transformed right now. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself if you want to pray that before I pray it. I would encourage you to come and speak to me or one of the leaders here afterwards if you have prayed this prayer. Father, I, I come before you and I recognize I've walked in sin. I've dishonored you and disobeyed you in ways I know about and ways I'm, I'm oblivious to. I turn from all of that now. I repent of it. Jesus, I recognize that you lived and walked this earth. You were both God and man, and you died for my sin, and you rose and you're alive again today. And so I, I open myself to you, and I, and I receive your forgiveness for my sin. And I receive your new life, your eternal life for me. And I commit myself to following you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Amen.